All right, I spoke two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, we were dealing with spiritual warfare. And we looked at Ephesians chapter 6. And we looked at just one piece of the armor, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And we used that to teach you how important it is that when you are engaged in battle with the enemy in the evil day, that you know how to appropriate the peace of God. Because the peace of God gives you stability in battle. Amen? The peace of God keeps you settled in battle. And, and we said that if the enemy cannot rob you of the peace of God, he cannot win. He cannot get you on your, on, on your back as long as you're standing in the peace of God. Amen? The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, I believe that in quietness and confidence is your strength. And so your most effective stance against the devil in the evil day is to be at peace on the inside. Yeah, there may, it may be trouble, there's turbulence on the outside, but you want to possess this inner tranquility in the midst of outward turbulences. Say that, inward tranquility in the midst of outward turbulence, trouble. Say inward serenity in the middle of outward struggles. So even as there's tribulation, because Jesus said in this world you can have tribulation, God has provided us in Christ Jesus this peace that can establish us and you're, you're strongest when you are at peace in your heart. That peace that comes from the confidence that Jesus Christ is not only with you, but now he is in you. Hallelujah. And so we looked at what Jesus taught in John chapter 16. And in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus was teaching there. And he, one of the things he said, he said, in this day, uh, John 14, excuse me, in this day, he said, you're going to know, amen, that he's in the Father and we are in him and he is in us. In this day, he says, Concerning the Holy Spirit, he said, the Holy Spirit has been with you because he was in me, and as I was with you, the Holy Spirit was with you. But I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you to fend on your own. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're never, ever, ever, ever going to go through any battle alone because I'm going to ensure that there is a permanent indwelling of my spirit. So in this day, which is the day we're living in now, he says, you will know this, that he who was with you is now going to abide in you. He's going to be present in you. Hallelujah. Now this is something you and I need to really, really know. This is something we really, really need to rely upon. Every day, in every situation, this is something we should continually remind ourselves of. In Christ, Christ is in us. 
Oh, my goodness. He's not just with us, and thank God he still is. He is not just for us, and thank God he still is, but even more so in the new covenant. And this is something unique to us in the new covenant. This was not available to the Old Testament believers. But because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, because he has dealt with all our sins and taken our sins out of the way, he now by his spirit can literally abide in us. So one of the most important uh, truths that we need to grab hold of and meditate on really every day it's not just God is for me, and he is, that's good, and God is with me, and he is. But most important, if you're going to operate and walk in the peace of God, you need to be grounded in the revelation that God is in me. So I just want to remind you of that today. I want to look at some other scriptures, because what God wants is for all of us to be God inside minded or Christ inside minded. Amen? That's the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you the hope of glory. Not just Christ with you but Christ in you the hope of glory. So go to 2 Corinthians 13.5 and there Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and look at what he said. He said examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves do you not know yourselves that Jesus, that what? Read it together. That Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. You see, what makes you a Christian? It's, it's not that you come to church. What makes you a Christian is not that you read your Bible. What makes you a Christian is, is not that you're doing all you can to live a good upward moral life. What saves you? What delivers you from hell? What makes you a victor? What makes you more than a conqueror? What makes you an overcomer? One thing, Jesus Christ in you. Do you hear me? That's the test. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? The only way you know you're a Christian and you're saved is if you can say Jesus Christ is in me. The only way you can know you're saved is to know that Jesus Christ is in you. It is his life in you that constitutes salvation. Do you hear me? So there are two groups of people on earth, those in whom Jesus is and those in whom Jesus is not. Those in whom Jesus is, those are saved people. Those are the children of God. Those are the ones that have eternal life. And by the way, those are the ones who are more than conquerors. And then there's a whole bunch of folks in whom Christ does not live. They have not received the gospel yet. And they're the ones that we should be telling the glorious news that through the cross and by the grace of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wants to give his life to you and live his life. In you will you receive that can you imagine is there any any better gift any superior gift than to actually have the gift of the son of God through the Holy Spirit living 
permanently. Say permanently. 24 hours of every day. When the sun is shining, when it's raining, he's still there. At work, at home, at church, he's there. When life is great, he's there. When life is challenging, he's there. Abiding inside of you forever. This is what makes you a Christian. So it's important that we understand that according to Paul, he says, you need to know this stuff. He says, don't you know it? This is something you really, really, really need to know. What do I really, really need to know as a believer? I need to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is inside of me. He is not just outside. He's not an outside person, helper, trying to give me help from without. He's not in heaven trying to give me help from heaven. He's inside of me, helping me from within. Say hallelujah. Say the Lord is the strength of my life. Now there are many verses that reiterate this truth. They use different metaphors. They say it in different ways. But in so many ways the Holy Spirit seeks to reveal to the believer that Christ is his life and that Christ lives in you. So let's look at one or two other verses. Go to Galatians chapter 1 and we're going to read verse 15 to verse 16. And there Paul writes, he says to the Galatians, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, raise your hand and say thank God for grace. Next verse. He called me by his grace to do what? To reveal his son in me. Not, not to reveal his son to me. That's, 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 that's not God's ultimate purpose. Of course, he has to reveal his son to us first. But the goal is so that he can now begin to reveal or make known his son inside of me. How, how did God the Father reveal himself? He revealed himself inside of Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. It was as Jesus talked, as Jesus walked, as Jesus prayed, as Jesus taught, God who was in Jesus of Nazareth was revealing himself in Christ to the world. And the scripture tells us here that God's great plan it's not for us to sit here and look at a screen and see Jesus. Or for Jesus to be sitting here and I point to you, I said, do you see Jesus? No. God's plan is for you to look at me and I can look at you and Jesus is being revealed from within inside of me. Hallelujah. 
So, so, so Paul said in, in, in Philippians, uh, verse, verse one, I believe, he said he was, he, he, he was in a situation where, uh, he could live or he could die, he could go to heaven. He said, I'm not really concerned about whether I live physically or I die physically. What, what I want is whether in life or death, this is what I want. Christ to be magnified in my mortal body. I want Christ to be magnified. And what that means is I want the Christ that is in me to become visible, to be revealed through my body. Christ is in me. That's where he, he is. And now he who is in me, God the Father wants him to be revealed in me through my body, through my words, through my actions, with the Christ that is now in me be seen, experienced, but not apart from me, from within me and through me. So that my body is now the instrument of revelation. My body is now what Christ in me is going to use to reveal himself outwardly. Are you hearing me? This is something Paul said, you really, really, really need to know it. Don't let it just be dogma. Don't let it just be head knowledge. Get in your head first, but then let it get into your heart. And then let it begin to influence and control and dictate the way you respond to life, to tests, to trials, to temptations, to evil. Let this truth that Christ is my life and he's living inside of me, wanting to be revealed in this particular situation as the son of the living God. Let my body, let my words be the instrument that he can work through to make what is invisible visible. Are you here? All right. So, so many scriptures that we could turn to, and we'll turn to a few of them today. Uh, let's go to the one we already referred to. I think it's good for us to see it. Go to John 14, 16 to 18. I think it's good that we see it. John 14, 16 to 18. I will pray the Father, and he will do what? Give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, that's me and you, you know him. And this is it. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? That ought to change the way we pray. That ought to change what we believe. I believe I've used this illustration before, but it makes a point. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood? And Jesus was walking and going through town and 
she wanted to be healed and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Remember her? Now, when you read that story of her touching the hem of Jesus' garment and being healed, if you identify with her reaching out to try to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, you have not had your mind renewed yet. You are not yet God or Christ inside-minded. You still see him dwelling with you. You haven't made the transition. In your mind and your thinking, you have not yet made the transition. He's no longer outside of me. So I don't know, I don't need to be reaching for his coming. He, he's not passing by. You see, if you get this truth, then there's, there's a change in the way you see Jesus in your relationship with Jesus. You never again see Jesus out there and you're trying to touch him. You see Jesus now permanently dwelling on the inside. In fact, instead of identifying with a woman trying to touch him, you would start identifying with Jesus as the one who people are trying to touch because now it's through you that his power flows. You have become now the one in whom he dwells, so you're the one carrying him. Are you hearing me? So that's the kind of renewal, that's the kind of change Jesus wanted them to make in their minds. For three years, you have been accustomed to me being with you. Something drastic, something powerful is about to happen. And that's why Jesus says, you know what? It's even better for you that I go. He was saying, you know, I'm going to leave, right? I'm going to leave. Oh, no, don't go. Don't go, Jesus. We want you to stay right here with us. We want you to be with us. Jesus said, if you knew what I knew, you would let me go. Because it's going to actually be better for you. Because when I go, the very first thing I'm going to do after I deal with the sin issue once and for all, the Holy Spirit is coming. I'm going to send him. And his job will be no longer to be with you, but to be in you. And through him, I will be in you. And through him, the Father will be in you. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all now are making their abode, their permanent dwelling place inside of you. Stop looking for God way up there. In Christ, God is in here. So the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, don't you know? Again, to the Corinthians, Paul keeps telling them. Because you see, a lot of the things we do, we wouldn't do if we knew this. The, the problem we have with sin and, you know, we, we, we tamper with sin, we give in to temptation, we love the world and all of that. We would not do those things if we really became God inside mind if we really had the revelation of Christ in us, we would lose all desire, uh, motivation to be like the world. So Paul is talking to some Christians who are acting very worldly. He says, your problem is you have forgotten. You've let it slip your mind. You are the temple of the living God. Christ now is living inside of you. 
Everybody raise your hand and say, I thank you, God, that I am the temple of the living God, that Christ Jesus, the Son of God, lives permanently inside of me. Now, that, 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 is, that, is, that is great. But again, let's understand the full implications of that. Because you could see it merely as an example of how you are, how I live in my, I live in my house. So you could say, well, well we, Christ lives in us. And again, the picture could be of someone simply living in a house. So I live in my house, but my house and I are not one. I can go out, and right now I'm not in my house. My house and I are separate right now. <laughs> okay, I'm here, my house is somewhere else. And I can go back in my house, or I can go in and out of my house, because my house and I are not the same. This is deeper than that. Christ does not live in you just like you live in a house. The temple is the body. He lives in this body, but he does not only live in this body. He who lives in this body has united himself to your spirit. You see, in your body is your spirit. Christ lives in your body because your spirit lives in your body. But he doesn't live in your spirit simply as one who can go and come. No, he's done more. He has united, oh my goodness, his spirit to your spirit. So now Christ is united to your spirit. So the Bible says you have become one spirit with the Lord. I am not one spirit, one person with my house. My house and I are forever separate. But in this case, Christ makes my body his temple, but he unites himself to my spirit. And that union is a permanent one in him. That's what's called eternal life. Eternal life is the Son of God uniting his life to my spirit so that we now can say we are. One spirit with the Lord. He who is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. Ah, ah. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 5, talking about marriage? He said, a man shall leave his father and his mother. And shall what? Become joined to his wife. And the two shall become one. And then Paul said, but I'm telling you a mystery. I'm not really talking about marriage. I'm talking about the union that exists between Christ and those who believe in him. They have become one. So God says what he has joined together. I'm just talking to them. I forgot you guys are here. I'm sorry. God said whatever he has joined together. And you thought he was just talking about the man and the woman in marriage. Paul said, no, 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 no. Yeah, you can apply it to a marriage. 
but it's a greater, greater application. The, tr the primary truth is that God has joined those who believe in Christ to Christ, the Son of God, and whom God has joined together. No one should separate. Don't separate yourself from him in your thinking. Never allow yourself to separate yourself from Christ. Henceforth, in the new covenant, you and Jesus are forever joined together. And what does that mean? Well, it means Christ has become your life. Go to 1 John 4, 4. First John 4, 4. Let's read it together. For you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the you see you see when you get this revelation of the one in you being greater than anything that is in this world that could be against you greater than the, the wicked one in first john 2 Greater than the world in 1 John 5. Greater than anything that the enemy could ever use or try to use to defeat you or to keep you from doing God's will and fulfilling God's purpose. When you receive that revelation, you will begin to live as an overcomer. You already are, but when you receive the revelation, you will start to act and talk and operate from a point of superiority over the enemy. When you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you grab the revelation of Christ as your life and his indwelling presence and this union you have with him, that you are literally one spirit with him, you will begin to think differently and you will begin to see the enemy when he comes and the world when it comes and evil when it attacks, you will begin to see it from a superior position because you will not see it from the vantage point of a person who is one spirit with Christ. You are of God. What does that mean? It means you are born of God. That's what it means. It means you are born of God. Later on, Paul, I mean, John says in the same epistle, he says, whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. So when he says you are of God, what he's saying is you are born of God, which means you are God's offspring. Which means if you're God's offspring, you share now and partake of God's very nature. Am I still clear? Cats meow because they are the offspring 
of cats. Dogs bow because they are the offspring bark. They are the offspring of dogs. Are you hearing me? Fishes swim because they are the offspring of birds fly. So it seems to me we have enough examples in nature to show that you take on the nature of your parent. That whoever gives birth to you gives you the kind of life that you have. And you begin to act like, function like, think like the source from which you receive your life. I hear me? So I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what happens to a person who's the offspring of God. Well, since, since birds fly because they're the offspring of birds and, and fishes swim because they're the offspring of fish, You overcome because you're the offspring of the greater one. Say hallelujah. You see, overcoming now is your nature. Overcoming is not something you try. An overcomer is not someone you're trying to be. Overcoming now is as much a part of your nature. Mm, just like it's natural for birds to uh, fly and for birds, <laughs> dogs to bark, is that natural now for you and I to overcome? You say, why? Because the light inside of you is the light of God. It's natural for you to overcome because Christ is not out there trying to help you. Christ has joined himself to you and has literally become your life. He has given his life to you. So your spirit now is living the life of Christ being lived in you. Let, let me, let me, I'm trying to make it clear. I'm not sure I'm doing a good job. So Holy Ghost, help me. Okay. Let me, let me use another verse to help understand this one. Jesus said to his disciples, because I live, you will live also. Now, read again the context and what he's saying. Remember, that's the same context in which he says, I'm going to be in you, you're going to be in me. What he's saying is, because I live inside of you, you're going to live. What he's saying is because my life is going to become the activating force in your life. As long as my life is the activating force on the inside of you, you cannot die. You cannot be defeated. You cannot be overcome. Why? Because now in the new covenant, my life is going to be the active force that will cause you to live. That's like, that's like electricity saying to the bulb, bulb, as long as I'm in you, you're going to shine. 
Light bulb, as long as our electricity and flowing through you, light bulb, you're going to shine. And what Jesus is saying, as long as I am your life, the activating force at work inside of you, you are going to live. You are going to thrive. You're going to overcome. It's now become your nature to overcome. Are you hearing me? I don't know what you're facing today. I do not know what you're dealing with today. But I have come with this good news that because of your faith in Jesus, Jesus now lives on the inside of you and his life in you now is the actual active force, activating force working in you, causing everything else in you to come alive. So because he is the activating life in me, my faith comes alive in him. My hope comes alive in him. My joy comes alive in him. My peace comes alive in him. Wisdom comes alive in him. Everything I need for life and godliness comes alive because the greater one lives in me. He's joined himself to me. He's become one spirit with me. And he is the actual, say actual, active, activating force in my spirit that is causing everything I need to do God's will to come alive in me. So when I need faith, I don't have to look outside for faith. Faith lives in me because Christ is faith. When I need peace, I don't have to go outside looking for it. Peace lives in me because Christ is peace. Oh, when I need wisdom to make decisions, I don't need to go outside looking for wisdom. Wisdom is part of my nature now because Christ is wisdom. When I need provision, I don't need to go outside looking for provision. Christ is inside of me. He's the actual active, activating force in my life who makes provision for me. May I continue next week? Hallelujah. Say after me, say, thank God. I am God inside-minded. Christ lives inside of me. He is the greater one in me. His life inside of me is the active, activating force within my spirit, enabling me to be and to do all God wants me to be and to do. All of my needs are supplied through my union with Christ, who is my life. In him and through him and by my union with him, 
I lack nothing. I am complete in him. For he with whom I am joined is complete. Oh, wonderful. Let me close with this verse, and I promise we'll continue next week. Go to Colossians 1, verse 29. I want you to see how Paul applied that in his day-to-day. Go to verse 29. I read this as we bring this to a conclusion. To this end, that means for this purpose, and the purpose was the preaching of the gospel, the fulfillment of the ministry God had given him. Paul said, for this end, to this end, for this purpose, I labor, I work. He's talking about what he did with his body. He said, I worked with his body. I, God called me to to serve this, serve. God called me to preach. God called me to take this gospel throughout the world, and I made a decision that I would obey God. I would do what God told me to do. I would take this gospel. I would preach it wherever I could. He says, I labor. I put my body to work. He says, striving, working with this body. But then notice what he said. According to his working, which works in me mightily. Another translation says, Striving with all his strength, which is powerfully at work in me. So Paul went to work every day, prepared to trust Christ to work powerfully through him. Trusting Christ to be the activating force in his life. And Paul said, this is how I was able to do everything I've done. I put my body to work to do what God had called me to do. But I was mindful of God inside minded. I was confident. I relied on his working in and through my body to accomplish God's will. Child of God, don't depend upon your strength anymore. Put your body to work. Get engaged in God's work. Do what you know God has told you to do. Make a decision that whatever God says to do, you're going to do it. You're going to be obedient to the scriptures. You're going to be obedient to the commands. But always be mindful that as you take the step of obedience to do what God has called you to do, be conscious that Christ himself is the activating force of your life. And he's the one energizing you and will energize you to do what God has called you to do. And you will be able to say like Paul, I can do all things through Christ who is energizing, enabling, empowering me to do God's will every day. I no longer put confidence in my flesh. I put confidence in Christ in me. In Jesus' name. Father, take this word by your spirit. Open our minds and our hearts to truly grasp the revelation of Christ in us as the active force making us able to overcome in every situation and do your will. Thank you. 
I pray that this truth will take root in our hearts and minds and produce transformation in the way we live, the way we talk, and the things we do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God.